Well, good morning again, and welcome to you all again. It really is wonderful to be able to be here again. Of course, we weren't here last week. Uh, if you were here, then you were probably running a marathon or something. Um, but it was so great, wasn't it, last week to be able to join together uh, with our QE2 campus and our Levita campus at the All In Celebration Service. And uh, it was great to see so many of you there. And if you weren't able to be there, then I hope you've been able to join the live stream or catch up later because it really was a great time of celebration, a great time of praise and worship. Uh, and it really was so amazing to be able to join in with the other campuses for the baptisms and the dedications. There were nine baby dedications last week, um, which was pretty impressive. Uh, and of course, it gave us an opportunity to say thank you uh, to everyone for their faithfulness and their generosity in uh, our Thanksgiving faith offering, uh, which we were able to talk about last week. And you know, all those things, the, the baptisms and the dedication and the offerings, all those things are just different expressions of people choosing to put Christ at the center of their lives. And I want to echo Carl's words from last week where that really we are just so humbled as a church and we are blown away by the faithfulness and the giving of people in this church. And we are so excited to see what God will do in this next season as well. So thank you very much to all of you uh, who have been a part of that offering and a part of that giving. It really is amazing. I have a small confession that I have to make to you this morning. I hope that's okay. Um, I have a bit of a habit that I haven't been able to break. I've probably got more than one habit, to be honest, but there's only one I'm thinking of right now. And in actual fact, this one I haven't been able to break, I think it's actually just been getting worse. Um, it's not a terrible habit, uh, at least I don't think it is, but it can have a negative impact on other people, which I guess that does make it a terrible habit. Maybe I shouldn't confess to it. Um, I, I, you'll know what it is as soon as I start talking about it. It's, it's this, it's simply this. When, when I get on my phone, I start to wander. Actually, I can't hold it there. I just start to walk. I, I wander. I'm a, I'm a phone call wanderer. I do it a lot. So if, if I'm at work and I'm sitting at my desk and I get a phone call, it is only a few seconds before I am standing up and just pacing around the office talking on the phone. That's just what I do. I can't, I can't help it. I walk around. Does anyone else do this? Is there anyone else who walks on the phone? Okay, good. It's not just guys either, by the way. There's a fairly equal split. And I'm not just restricted to my own room either, especially if I'm at the office at, at Selwyn out here. I'll just start wandering from space to space, just room to room. I'm just talking on the phone. It's got nothing to do with whether the phone call is boring. In fact, I'm probably more likely to wonder if it's an interesting conversation and I'm really thinking about stuff. And I'll just be pacing and circling and just sort of looking out this window and then wandering over here and looking out that window and I'm talking on the phone and I'm walking and I'm talking and I'm just walking about. Sometimes it's actually really inconvenient because suddenly I find myself three rooms away from the nearest pen and paper, then I have to scribble something down. Just hold on a second, I'll go back to my office to write that down. In fact, just on Thursday this week, I was at the office and my brother Tim called me and we were talking about some stuff and he sent me a link to some info because we were looking to make a purchase and we were trying to figure out what we needed and he sent me a link and about three minutes later, he's like, have you looked at the have you looked at the link yet? And of course I hadn't, because despite the fact that when he sent me the link, I was sitting at my computer, by the time we were talking about it, I was in a completely different room. So I had to wander back to my room and sit at my desk and open the link up on the computer. I just walk about. 
it's not too bad if I'm the only one there. Uh, but it does get a little awkward when I wander into other people's offices talking on the phone, nothing to do with them. And I don't restrict it to when I'm at work either. Actually, that's probably the worst part of my habit. I'll, I do it at home too. I'll take a phone call in the bedroom, and then suddenly I look up and there's the fridge. Like, how did I even get to the kitchen? I didn't even notice. I've walked all the way down the hallway, past three other bedrooms, past the bathroom, past the laundry, past the garage door, through the living room, and into the kitchen, only just to turn around and wander all the way back to the other end. And that's what I do on the phone. It does tend to drive the family a little bit crazy. Uh, in fact, when we were in lockdown, a couple of times, I had to force myself to go and make phone calls in the car because it was the only way to stop me from wandering through the house where everybody else was trying to do all their meetings and video calls and all that sort of stuff. So if you're ever on a phone call with me, I give you permission now to just ask every now and then, Dave, where are you now? <laughs> and, and where were you when you started this phone call? Yeah. And are you within five meters of a pen and paper? Probably would be useful. I walk about on the phone. Actually, I probably would be a fitter and healthier person if I just made more phone calls. It would probably be really, <laughs> really good for me. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about walking. So it's a, it's a lot more than it says about cycling or driving, but it has a lot to say about walking. Right from Genesis, we read about the Lord God walking in the Garden of Eden. Enoch and Noah were described as righteous men who walked with God. We are told that God's word will light our way as we walk. We're instructed to walk in wisdom, to walk by faith, to walk by the Spirit, to walk in obedience, to walk as children of the light. We're told that when God is with us, we will walk and not faint. That when you walk through the fires, you will not be burned. And though we walk through the darkest valley, we will fear no evil, for God is with us. Walking. And this morning, there's a little passage that I want to share with you from Ephesians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul also writes about walking. But, but the walking part of it's a little bit hidden, and I'm going to open that up to you today, I hope. See, it's a bit of a longer passage, but I'd love to read it right through with you, and then we're going to go back and break it down and look at it a little more closely for a while. In this passage in Ephesians 2, the, the writer of it, Paul, uh, is, is writing to the early Christian church, and in particular, he's writing to the Gentile Christians or the non-Jewish Christians, right? The believers who didn't have any kind of Jewish background, the people who had heard and received the good news of Jesus, but hadn't previously been living under the Old Testament and the law. So he's writing as a Christian who was a Jew, but he's writing to Christians who weren't. And this is what he says to them at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, so you Gentile Christians, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ." Just that last bit again. Remember that you were separate from Christ, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that last verse is really summing up the point of this whole passage. Paul is saying, remember what you were, but recognize what you are now. Remember your previous state of existence, your previous way of life without Christ, where you were separate, you were far away, but now... Through Christ and with him in your life, you have been brought near. And through this whole passage, these 13 verses, Paul is describing and detailing two quite different states of being, two different ways of existing. There is the way we were, the way we used to be without Christ, and then there is the way we are, the life that we can live with Christ. Now, if you were paying attention through that passage, you might have noticed, though, that the word walk didn't actually appear. So why am I talking about walking in this passage? So I'm going to, I promise I will get there. So we go right back to the beginning. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Already I find that phrase a little bit tricky. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. You were dead in the things in which you used to live. That's a slightly complicated sentence to get your head around. But when you dive into it, you find out that the word live in the second part of the sentence has been translated from a word in the, in the Greek that was this word peripateo, that more literally means to walk about. In fact, we still have a word in the English language based on this word peripateo. It's the word peripatetic which actually means traveling from place to place, or in particular, working or, working or based in various places for relatively short periods. We might more commonly talk about an itinerant teacher. Right? We talk about teachers who go from school to school. We, we talk about itinerants, but they could also be called peripatetic teachers. So Paul is saying here, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to walk about in when you followed the ways of this world. You used to walk about in the same way that everyone else in your culture walked about. You used to have the same attitudes. You used to walk about with the same behaviors. You used to walk about with the same thought patterns as everyone else in your culture. And that's what this word live or peripateo is saying. I, the more I say it, the more I think it's a VeggieTales character. Peripateo peri or something? Peri the potato. Yeah, that's fine. I'll try not to say it anymore. But it's your way of life. It's your manner of existence. It's how you walk about in your everyday life, whether you're on the phone or not. And Paul is saying that you Gentiles walked about in this state of transgression and sin. 
And then in the next verse, Paul actually broadens the statement, not just to the Gentiles he is writing to, but to himself and all the Jewish people as well. In verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. So regardless of our cultural background, regardless of our upbringing, regardless of our heritage, Gentile, Jew, Jew, non-Jew, all of us have been subject to the same state. All of us have been walking about in our sins and transgressions. All of us have been caught up in this life on earth, whether Jew or Gentile. All of us, Paul is saying, have lived a life without Christ. And then throughout these 13 verses that we've read this morning, Paul goes on to detail to the early church a whole list of things that life without Christ looked like. And I've actually identified 10 things that he states in his list that they were before Christ. Without Christ, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You know, without God, we are spiritually dead. Without Christ, we are stuck in our transgressions, our mistakes, our failures, and our lapses. We're caught up walking about in our sins, in our shortcomings, our imperfections, and our lack. Without Christ, you were following the ways of the world. In verse 2, without Christ at the center of our lives, we're still going to put something at the center. If not a follower of Christ, then we'll be a follower of self or a follower of someone else. Verse 3, without Christ, you were gratifying the cravings of your flesh or sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Without Christ, you were deserving of wrath. And the Bible is quite clear in saying that the wages of sin is death. If we try to stand on our own righteousness rather than on the righteousness of Christ, then because of our sinful nature, because of our selfish desires, we cannot meet that perfect standard, and we are deserving of the judgment. Without Christ, you were separate from Christ. That makes sense. Without Christ, you were excluded from citizenship. Without Christ, you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without Christ, you were not heirs to the promise that God has given his people. Without Christ, citizenship in his kingdom was not your inheritance. He's saying you were outsiders, you were separated, you were excluded, you were foreigners. Also in verse 12, without Christ, you were without hope. You know, Matthew 12 says that in the name of Jesus, the nations will put their hope. And without Christ, we do not have that hope. We have no hope of salvation. We have no hope of eternity. As they walked about before, they were walking about without hope. Without Christ, you were without God in the world. And Paul isn't saying that God had forsaken them or ignored them, but they were ignorant of God and they did not believe in him. So the everyday life that they walked about in did not have God in it. And the 10th one I found in this passage in verse 13, without Christ, you were far away. Without Christ, there is a distance between us and God. It's not a particularly uplifting list of 10 things, is it? 10 things that Paul gives us to describe what walking about in a life without Christ looks like. I'm so thankful, though, that in the same passage, Paul gives us another list. And it begins in verse 4 with a very important word. 
Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5. But, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. But, but because of his great love for us, we were dead in transgressions, but because of his great love for us, he has made us alive in Christ. By our nature, we were deserving of wrath, but by grace, we have been saved. And then throughout the rest of the passage, Paul gives us these descriptions again of the difference that life with Christ makes, and the contrast is striking. Without Christ, you were all those 10 things, but with Christ, you are raised up with Christ. We've sung about that this morning. With Christ, you are seated with him in the heavenly realms. And those two things are both indicators of things to come in the future when we go to be with him in eternity, but they're also statements of faith for the right here and right now. We have a risen life with Christ now. Psalm 40 says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. We have been raised up with Christ. We have been seated with him in the heavenly realms. With Christ, you are saved. You were without hope, but now you are saved. The hope of salvation and eternal life has been given to us through Jesus Christ. With Christ, you are God's handiwork. It's an amazing word that's in this verse. People have interpreted it lots of different ways. You are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. You are his work of art. You are his poem. One translation, translation puts it. You are his craftsmanship. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You, are, you were dead in transgressions and sins. You were following the ways of the world. You were deserving of wrath, but now you are God's masterpiece. With Christ, you are brought near through the blood of Christ. In verse 13, you were without Christ far away. But now you have been brought near. There was a distance between you and God, but now there is a closeness, a nearness, an intimacy. As you go further through the passage in areas we haven't read, in verse 19, Paul says, With Christ you are fellow citizens with God's people. And again, Paul contrasts what was with what is. You were excluded from citizenship, he said earlier, but now you are fellow citizens. And he takes it even further with the next description in verse 19. With Christ, you are members of God's household. You were foreigners before. You were foreigners to the promise. But now you are not just citizens of the kingdom. You are actually members of God's household. You are family because of the blood of Jesus. You are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And then go back to the last one that I've identified here, which is in verse 10. With Christ, you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And this verse, verse 10, is where for me Paul brings things full circle. Because this verse actually has our special word in it again. We were created in Christ Jesus to do 
good works. And the word do has actually been translated from the same word, peripateo. You have been created in Christ Jesus to walk about in good works. For me, this is where the contrast becomes so clear. You were walking about in transgressions and failures and mistakes. You were walking about in your selfish nature, your shortcomings, your fears. You were walking about without hope, without God, without belonging, without citizenship. You were walking about as foreigners in darkness, separated and deserving of the wrath of God. But now, now because of the love of God, because of Christ, now you are walking about in the good works that God has prepared for you. Now you're walking about in the light. You're walking about in hope. Now you are walking about in citizenship, in a place of intimacy as part of God's family. Now you are walking about as God's handiwork, his masterpiece, his work of art. Paul actually repeats this message and that word several times throughout the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live, peripateo, walk about as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So don't walk about in those old ways anymore. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk, peripateo, walk about in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then again in Ephesians 5 verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live, peripateo, walk about as children of light. Team, can I have you come up and join me again as I finish up? Walk about in the way of love. Walk about in the hope of Christ. Walk about in the thoughts and deeds that God has for you and has prepared for you in advance. You know, one passage that we often refer to at Life Church, and we will always continue to do so, is in Matthew 28, where Jesus gave the disciples and us what is known as the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And right at the beginning of this instruction, it's the, the final instruction Jesus gave before he left the earth was to go and make disciples. And while there's a directive to go, right, it does say to be proactive and to liberally go to the nations in order to tell them the truth of the gospel and to invite them to become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. There's also an implication in this passage and the, the way it's been written, and some scholars have interpreted it another way, that instead of go and make disciples, they believe it could be stated, we are to make disciples as we go. We are to make disciples as we live. We are to make disciples as we walk about. So that's really my message for us this morning that our walking about is not to be what it used to be. We are not to walk about in our sin, in our hopelessness, in our separation, or in darkness anymore. But instead, because of God's great love and His mercy, we are to walk about 
in love, to walk about in hope, to walk about in intimacy with the Lord, to walk about in the light. And as we walk about in our daily lives, as we go from place to place, from room to room, as we live and as we work and as we study and as we play, as we wander while we're on a phone call or we're walking about work or house or wherever we are, our walking about has a purpose, a great commission to tell people of the love and hope we have in Jesus, that we would make lifelong followers of Christ as we walk about. Let's pray. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are interested in our walking about. You are interested in our everyday life. You are interested in our work life, our home life, our family life, our our relationships. And God, we thank you that you have brought us from a place of darkness into a place of light that you have brought us from a place without hope into a place of hope. And God, this morning again, we ask that you would commission us afresh that as we go, as we live, as we walk about, as we go about our daily lives, as we do the things that we do every day, Lord, put us on mission again that we are to share the hope, the light, the belonging, the love that you have given us, we are to share that truth with those around us and invite them to also become a part of your family. Invite them to no longer be separated, to no longer be walking in darkness, but to find hope in Jesus Christ. Praise you, Lord. Would you stand with us? We're going to worship. I just want to pray as we do that still again. Lord, this morning I just lift up each one here before you. Lord, each one, regardless of what they are going through, whether they are uh, in sickness or in pain, whether there is any, uh, any financial issue, any relationship issue, any work issue, God, we just lay all of it before you again. And as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, we invite you to move in this place. We invite you to touch hearts. We open up afresh to you that you would have your way, that your kingdom would come, your will be done. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've asked the team to do the song we did before, Jesus Over Everything. I invite you to join with us, and we're going to declare this over every situation. Praise you, God.